0: Welcome, everyone, to uh, this Palm Sunday weekend and to the uh, conclusion of Eye Care Community. So, the last uh, six weeks, we've been focusing on those those four eyes, those intentionalities, and it's been a blast to do that. And it's been amazing to see kind of your responsiveness to it. Uh, we know that that thousands of you took these bracelets, these annoying little bracelets. And uh, inside of them, we wrote the first names of three people that we committed to pray for every day. And uh, we, we know that thousands and thousands and thousands of people were prayed for every day that God would open up their heart and their mind to the hope, the message, and the love of, of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus. That's amazing. And then many of you raised your hand and said, I'll be the catalyst to do good. And a bunch of stuff. It's fun to hear all the stories of in your communities, with your neighborhood or work or your gym or wherever, where you just identified a thing and said, you know what, let's do good together. I'll be the catalyst for it. You were able to create and advance relationships through that, which is, the, which is a blast. We did the shoe project. Uh, I got a text uh, this afternoon. said we sent out uh, 16,900 pairs of shoes. Africa, which, yeah, you can clap for that, That's fun. And uh, so we did that, so they're on, uh, they're in the semi on their way to uh, the ships, and we'll ship them over and uh, love people and help them with that, so that's a blast. A bunch of you have been taking classes, uh, learning the Bible more, and uh, we, we've been saying it's hard to tell God's story if you don't know it, and so uh, knowing the Bible is how you know the heart and the mind of God, it's where He most clearly tells us about Himself and then I, I just know kind of from the Facebook and, and the website and talking to a bunch of you, a bunch of us have had no-brainer moments. And that's a blast. We're praying for somebody and just that God would, you know, open up their heart and mind and we've got to tell them the reason for the hope that's within us. And that, that's just fun to do. It's exciting to do. This is how God changed my life and, and uh, how he wants to do that for you. So I care community has been a huge success and a blast and a a great thing. Thanks for being a part of it. And uh, this weekend, as we kind of wrap it up, I want to land us at a place where uh, the the mindset of eye care becomes a lifestyle, even though like the event, quote unquote, is over. Because what we've been talking about, we haven't really pushed hard to get us involved in an event. You might have noticed that. Like we haven't put together a bunch of organized things and tried to get you to come out to it. It's really a mindset and a position of the heart that we've been pushing for and those intentionality ideas. Like, I'm going to on purpose do these things, and that's something that becomes a part of who we are as a follower of Jesus, and it becomes kind of a, a directive for us in our, in our lives. And so I want to land us here this weekend and talk about how, how that works and how that becomes more of a lifestyle than, than something that I participate in a little bit. And what is it that we've been, been pushing for? So uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, I'm going to land you here and kind of tell you and show you how to set this up in your life. If you're not a follower of Jesus this weekend, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to describe what a Christian is supposed to be like. So if you're considering becoming a follower of Jesus, uh, this is what you're getting yourself into, right? This is kind of what like, God wants for his people. And uh, so now you'll know ahead of time and uh, know, know the decisions that you're making, when you think through Jesus' directives to people, if, if you were going to boil his directives down to a word, Jesus would say, What I want from my people is I want you to be known for your love. I want my people to be known for their love, their love for me and their love for the people around them. In fact, love is to be the defining characteristic of a follower of Jesus Christ. So the Bible has a ton to say about that, a ton to say about love, a ton to say about Christ followers, God's people, loving people, and uh, I want to talk that through this this weekend. What does it mean to love? What's the definition of love? How did God illustrate love? And then how do we uh, weave that into like our everyday makeup? So let me take you to this place in the Bible. If you've got one, go to the book of 1 John, 1 John, Okay. So it's near the end of the, the second part of the Bible, the New Testament. You'll come across a, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's not that one, it's first John. It's literally the one with the number one in front of it. So it's toward the end, first, second, third, John, first John. And John is one of the apostles. So there were certain people that Jesus said could speak for him. And the Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit helped them to write. And John the Apostle is one of those people. So these are his words. That he's saying on God's behalf to us. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we got some in the chairs there. It's page 857 And those Bibles. And then if you're electronic, we use the UVersion app. So you can open that up and hit live. And uh, we're Grace Church, and the zip code is 44333. So verse John, we're going to go to chapter four. And John is teaching Christ followers the heart of God. And he's in essence saying that this is what God wants, this is boiling it down to a point, and let's look at that, we'll, we'll kind of pull it through and understand how we can become people who are defined by love. Start with verse 7 of chapter 4 of 1 John. So John says this, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. I circle the word comes and from, comes from God Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Right? right, we'll just pause there for a second. Dear friends, let, us, let, let every one of us, uh, let's love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So John is talking to people who would think of themselves as Christ followers, and he's saying this, listen. Everyone who loves, if you are born of God and you know God, the defining characteristic of your life is going to be love. Because everyone who is born of God and knows God loves. Because God is love. Love is one of the defining characteristics of God. So if you are born of God, if God is your spiritual father, your spiritual dna the dna that kind of courses through your soul so to say is going to be the dna of love right so uh i have people my family my mother always used to say that i am a lot like my father was okay well that that makes all kinds of sense why because he's my father right so i have his dna in me so i i look a little bit like my dad he also had the sexy gene right so just pass it right down to me, uh, I have his sense of humor. Right? I have his his fiery personality. I got all that. And, and people will say, "Well, you're just like your dad." And I think, "Well, of course, of course, I'm like my dad, right? Why? Because I have his DNA in me. I, he is my father. I have his DNA. I can't help but be like my dad. Being like my dad is not something I just aspire to or just wish. Or it's it's just something I mimic. I am my father. Because I I am born of my father, I'm going to act like and talk like and think like and all the rest because he is my father, I have his DNA. John is saying, listen, love, if you are born of God, if God is your father, you have his spiritual DNA in you and you're going to be like your father. It's kind of like how we talked about in this series. You are salt. It's not that you're acting like salt. You are. You are light. You're not kind of trying to seek light. You are light. You are an ambassador. It's not something I'm like trying to do. I am it, right? I do love. Why? Well, because my father loves, and I am my father's child. I can't stop myself from it, right? Love is the natural instinct of the follower of Jesus Christ. It is birthed into us to love. Now, it doesn't mean that our relationships don't get messy and dirty and it's difficult and we get distracted. I'm not talking about struggling through our humanness. I'm talking about our instinct, our passion, what we would go back to if we were reverting back to our nature if God has birthed me, I'm going to revert back to a position of love because those who love are born of God and they know God. Now, John goes on and he explains it. It also works in reverse, right? Look at verse eight. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So if if I If I'm not loving, if I don't want to love, if I don't have a passion to love, if I'm not fighting for love in a relationship, what John says, well, then you're not born of God. That doesn't even make sense because the DNA within you is going to push you that direction. Those born of God love. Those who do not love are not born of God. So this makes a lot of sense then when you push it into kind of the, a bunch of the other teachings of the Bible, how this works, when Jesus says, for instance, love your enemies, what he's saying is, well, if you're my children, that's, that's just what you do. You love your enemies. When he says love one another, he, he's saying, well, if, you're, if you got my DNA in you, you're like, you can't stop yourself. Like you're, you love one another, right? Love your neighbor, right? It's my instinct. I'm going to love. I'm going to seek to love that person, and and the list would go on, because this is what my children do. It's not just something I aspire to, it's not a checklist that I, you know, I love somebody this week, right? It's an instinct, it's a position, it's where I'm always going to wind up when the dust settles and whatever relational explosion there is. If I am born of God, I'm going to land in a position of love. And I'm going to seek and desire instinctually to bring love into that relationship. If I don't, if, if it's not my instinct, if I harbor hatred, just here in a little bit, uh, John says, well, then you're not even born of God. Like that, those two things don't even make sense or go together. You are to be defined by your love. Now, what does that love look like? So when John says that, what's he talking about? Is he talking about being nice? You're to be defined by your niceness. Is he talking about being polite or generous, letting somebody cut in front of you in the line at Chipotle? (laughs) You know, what's he talking about? Well, he starts to define it then in these next couple of verses. Look at it, verse 9. So this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him, this is what love looks like. It looks like God sending Jesus into the world so that he could die, raise again, and we could live through him, we could receive salvation through him. This is, this is a big deal. Because love in our culture and it, even in Christianity is often kind of feminized, it, it's frilly, it's like childish sometimes, Right? it's Jesus playing soccer, it's flower children kind of stuff, it's being nice, it's being sweet, it's grandma. And God says, no, no, this is what love looks like. Love looks like the Son of God coming to earth for the purpose of dying. Now here on Palm Sunday weekend, this is the perfect time to talk about this because what was Jesus doing? See, when he, when he came into Jerusalem that day and they laid down the palm branches and everybody was happy and nice, that's what you celebrate on Palm Sunday weekend by Friday, right? The reason we have communion, we have a communion Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I encourage you to come to one of them. The reason we do that during Holy Week is because Friday, Jesus is being accused and being crucified, right? Because he is demonstrating his love. So when John uses that illustration, he's saying, when I talk about people, the children of God love, what I'm talking about, I'm not talking about being nice, I'm talking about sacrificial, all in, passionate love. I'm talking about love that looks like standing and receiving false accusation and being tried unjustly and convicted and sentenced to death. I'm talking about love that keeps you at a whipping post when, you're the, when you are God, the creators of the heavens and earth, and could draw it all to a close with a word. Instead, you hold yourself on that post until you're beaten to the point that so much of your flesh is removed that your ribs and your spine are showing. I'm talking about love that when the crown of thorns is shoved on your head, it damages all the nerves in your skull so that your fingers and your toes feel like they're on fire. When the robe is mockingly put on you so that you're marched to the place of execution and your beard is ripped out and you're spat upon and you're naked and you're mocked and you're poked and you're jeered and then you get to the crucifixion and the Middle Eastern heat has baked that blood into that cloth and they rip it back off of your skin and reopen all of your wounds only to be crucified on the cross and hang there until your blood bleeds out, your legs give out, and you suffocate in your own bodily fluid. He's saying, I'm talking about how we receive life and the illustration of God's love is the passion or the suffering of Jesus. I always find it interesting that Jesus wasn't hung or shot or guillotined. He suffered and died, why? Because he was demonstrating the full extent of his love, the Apostle John says in another place. He wanted no mistake being made. He was not caught in a political whirlwind. Jesus said, by my own will I laid my life down and by my own power I'll raise it again. I'm doing this to demonstrate my love to you. So when John says, hey guys, the people born of God love, this is the picture he has in his mind, it's the illustration he brings into the conversation. He's not talking about being nice or getting a a, a hug from your aunt, so and so. He's talking about laying down your life, bearing someone's burden, sacrificially giving of yourself, on purpose, not out of obligation, on purpose to bring benefit, to bring hope, to bring the gospel to them. Now, look what he says here in verse 10. It's fascinating. He says, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us, and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. It's not, this love is not that we show up to church Love is not that, you know, we watched the video about the budget so we put some extra money in the basket. Uh, Love isn't being nice. Love isn't being religious. The demonstration of love is that God moved toward us without our invitation. No no one cried out to God and said, God, please send your son Jesus and rescue us from our sin. Nobody said that. Nobody said, God... Your love is confusing, illustrate it graphically for us. Nobody said that. Nobody said, I woke up one day and I realized that I'm offending your heart. <laughs> you know, provide atonement for me. No one said that. This is love that God loved us. Not that we love God, but that God moved toward us to rescue us, that he was the atoning sacrifice for our sin. That word atoning sacrifice is is an amazing phrase and it basically means this. To be an atoning sacrifice, what Jesus did was this. Jesus paid a debt he did not owe for those who owe a debt they cannot pay. Jesus paid a debt he did not owe for those who owe a debt that they cannot pay. That's what an atonement is. I'm going to pay this debt, you can't, I don't owe it, I'm doing it for you because you can't possibly do it. Christ paid a debt he did not owe for those who owe a debt that they cannot pay. Now watch this. John goes on and he says, this is how we love each other. Look at the next verse, 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one's ever seen God, but if if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. He said this is this is how it works. Because this was done for us, a debt that we did not that he did not owe was paid for me who owed a debt I could not pay. Because Christ was an atoning sacrifice for us, because Christ came to us, I call it first move love. Christ moved toward us when we weren't even inviting him. We ought to love That way, love who? Each other, our enemies, our neighbors. We love, we have an atoning, sacrificial love. I will move towards you to love you, and I will bear a debt or a burden for you that I do not deserve to bear because you cannot restore or repay the love debt that you owe. People born of God love people that don't deserve to be loved. It's an atoning, sacrificial love. Well, they they don't deserve my friendship, right. It reflects our relationship with God. People born of God love people that have never asked to be loved, right? Well, if she, if she would say she was sorry, then I would invite her over for Easter, right? Well, what if she doesn't? Well, then forget it. No, the people of God don't do that. We, we would bear that burden that we never asked for a Savior. He came to us while we were still sinners, as an atoning, sacrificial love. The people of God love beyond someone else's ability to repay. Listen, this is a distinctive of Christ's followers. Your dad or your mom who walked out on you when you were seven years old and then shows back up in your life as an adult and needs help, right, right? You love them knowing that that they cannot repay that debt. How are they ever going to make that right? They're not. But I I love in an atoning way. I carry a burden I don't deserve to carry for someone who owes a debt they cannot repay. Your spouse has been unfaithful to you, and they come back and beg you to keep their. How can can they ever make that right? They can't. They can never recover that debt. It's a wound that's never going to go away, a scar that's going to be with you forever. But I could love like that. Someone lies, someone betrays, someone steals, all the amazing ways that we are gifted at hurting each other. How in the world do you ever make it right? The truth is you don't. You don't even the score. You you don't bring it into equality. You can't do it. What can you do? As one born of God, I can love one that doesn't deserve it. As one born of God, I can forgive one who hasn't asked for it. As one born of God, I can give to one who has squandered so much. As one born of God, I can serve as an earthly representation of atonement. I will pay a debt I do not owe for someone who owes a debt that they cannot pay. It's messy, and it's gross, and it's dirty, and it's complicated, and it's painful, and it's a disaster, and it's my relationship with God. How many times have you lied to God? How many times have you violated God's morality like in the last hour? How many times have you defiantly rejected what God said? It's our relationship with God, but God is a first mover. He's always, see, his love is relentless. It's always moving toward us. It's not that we love him, it's that he loves us. We're dependent on that love. And what John says here in verse 12, no one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete. Nobody's ever seen God, but if they see me willing to love you the way that God loves me, they can see the heart and the mind of God and in that exchange, the love of God is made complete. God loves me, I love you. The transformation that God wants to do in my life is completed because I, his child, can't stop myself from expressing his heart. It's my DNA. And John says, this is what defines us. This is the mark of the people of God. Now what he does next here is he basically kind of tells us how this shows up with skin on. Look at... Verse 13, this is, this is how we know that we live in Him and He is in us. He's given us His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on God's love for us. As I rely on God's love for me to express love to you, That's a work of the Holy Spirit in me. I can't generate that of my own strength. God does that in me. Look at the next passage, next verse. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. It's huge. What's he talking about? If I stand before God, how do I know I'm going to go to heaven? How do I know I'm going to heaven? How do I know I made it, right? Well, I'm doing the math all wrong. If I believe that it's my love for God that gets me to heaven as opposed to God's love for me, then what I'll do is I'll always result to works. I'll always result to religiosity and to legalism. So, man, I went to church every week. I hope that gets me in. Man, I, I put, uh, like I, I actually tithe. I'm one of the like 3% of people who actually tithe. Like I, I, I hope that gets me in, you know? I, every time I went to Chipotle, I let the person take the last of the brown rice, right? I, I hope that gets me in. I didn't smoke, drink, chew, date, girls who do cheer from Michigan, nothing. Like I. So in, in judgment, I'm like hoping I get into heaven. And God says, John says here, he's like, no, 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 actually you can have total confidence that you're gonna get into heaven what, what is my confidence? That in, in this world, you're like Jesus. Oh, I sin all the time, I'm, I'm a jerk, I'm the, I'm the king of the F-bomb, what are you talking about? It, yeah, you love. It's not that we somehow have total victory over our humanity and we never sin again. It's not that we don't sometimes struggle to love. It's not sometimes that we don't have to fight for relationship. It's that when I look at my life and I say my instinct, my desire is to love and I love like Jesus, I'm willing to be the atoning. I'm willing to bear a burden that is not mine for someone who cannot carry it themselves. I'm willing to extend forgiveness when it hasn't been asked for. I'm willing to love someone who hasn't moved toward me. I love like Jesus and if somebody looked at my life they would look at me and say, what defines that person is they are loving. Not that they're religious, not that they're a great giver, not that they have somehow cleaned up to some standard of morality that other people can't match, but that they love. They love, they forgive, their generosity, their time, their uh, is defined by this love. And John is saying, listen, you can have great confidence in the day of judgment. And the confidence that you have is not that you've got your works in order. The confidence that you have on the day of judgment is that in this world you were like Jesus. What do you mean? You love like he loved. You love like he loved. You moved to. You offered. You were relentless. And the reason you can have confidence on the day of Jesus is that can only be born of god see it's not born of yourself that's a spiritual dna that comes into your life because the love of god beats through your soul because you're his child look at verse 20 verse 19 we love because he loved us whoever claims to love god hates a brother or sister is a liar For whoever does not love their brother or their sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this commandment, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and their sister. John says, guys, listen, it just kind of boils down to this. You can't hate people and love Jesus. You can't refuse to forgive and think that you're a child of God. You can't harbor bitterness or hatred or bigotry and assume that you're a child of God. That doesn't even make sense, right? Because you can't stop yourself. You can't stop yourself, why? Because you're born of God. And the more you know Him, and the more you become like Him, the more that you will be defined by and known for your love. Now guys, this is to be the mark of the church of Jesus Christ. This is to be the mark of individual followers of Jesus Christ, and corporately, right, church is a sum total of its individual parts, so corporately, the church of Jesus Christ is to be known for our love. No matter what you do to me, you're going to get love in response. No matter who you are, you're my neighbor, even if you're a stranger, if you have a need, if you have the five expressions of poverty, that you're going to get love from me as a response. No matter whether you're opposed to me or not, I'm going to love you, right? I'm going, to, I'm going to bring you the gospel because I am an ambassador of Jesus Christ, and so I'm going to love you enough to take you all the way to the gospel. I'm going to help sinners find their Savior and have reconciliation between the two. This is going to be what defines me as a follower of Jesus Christ and defines me as a human being. And then, corporately, as a church, this is to be the mark of the church that we are known for our love. Our culture is very certain about our positions on homosexual lifestyles. Number one thing the church is known for. Our, our culture is very certain, they're very clear about our, on our positions about whether abortion is right or wrong. They know that we believe it's wrong. Our culture is very clear about our positions on gay marriage. It's very clear that we believe in traditional, what we would call traditional marriage. Our culture is extremely clear about our views of morality. The Bible says right or wrong. They are certain of it. Without question, no hesitation, they know where the church corporately stands on those issues. What they are not remotely confident of is that we would lay our lives down for them. If I had a crisis, would it cross my mind to run to the church? If if my life just exploded, would it cross my mind to go to my neighbors who are Christians? If I was looking for compassion and gentleness and kindness and joy... What I, what I think of my coworker who's got the fish on their car? And it becomes very challenging, very, very challenging, because when Jesus looks at his followers and said, no, you're people, you love, this is what you're known for. When, when the plague swept through the Roman Empire, the Christian stayed, everybody else left, why? Because we, we love people as ourselves, and so we were doing that, and we have no fear of death. I don't care if I die, I go to heaven. Paul says it's like a bonus, <laughs> right? So we have no fear of death, and we have this passion to love, and so we stay, so much so that impress impressed the emperor, that's how Christianity became the official, official religion of Rome. See, When the Nazis sweep through, the, the, it's, it was it's the Christians who would sneak people out. The, the true followers of Jesus. It was a religious organization that put a swastika on their arm and tried to get in good with the government. When famine sweeps, why are why are people a half a world away taking money out of their pocket to try to feed somebody they never met? Because we're we're Christians is what we do. It's who we are. Can't can't stop myself from doing that. When this friendship blows up and, and they have wounded you beyond words, why are we trying to work that out? Why don't we write that person off and just tell them off and get them? Because it's not what it's not who we are. When this marriage is defined by pain more than by joy, why are we always trying to work it out? Because wouldn't God want you to be happy? Because we love, we love, we love, we love, we love. What's the cutoff point? I guess when it looks something like the crucifixion, you can tap out. And there's balances, and we don't enable, and all the things that we've talked about through eye care, but it's the definition. If somebody looked at our house across the street, would they think of it as a place to find love? If somebody drives by Grace Church and notices, would they think of it as a group of people that love people? And Jesus says, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about being clean cut. I'm not talking about being moral. There's behaviors, it's all in the Bible, it all comes into balance. I'm talking about sacrificial, messy, life's a disaster, love, where I will bear what is not mine to help you who cannot get yourself out of this mess. I'm known for it. And then John is so strong, and he would say, if that's not you, That's not you. Don't think of yourself as a follower of Jesus Christ. If you can't hate your brother and love God, if you do, you're lying to yourself. Because right? this is who we are. Now guys, to that end, this, this is where, like, eye care kind of keeps moving, right? It, it's, why, it's not like this program we're trying to, it's why we weren't trying to get you all involved in a bunch of activities, just threw out a couple of ideas and wanted you to pray. Having to the, the, it's because we have to own it. it. It's not this big church activity that we can tie you into. This is the position, it's the work of the Holy Spirit in my heart causing me to become who Christ has called me to be kind of regardless of whatever relationship I, I'm attached to at the moment. So to that end, life, I care becomes more of a lifestyle. So for instance, a follower of Jesus should always have three, right? We should, the, the, the three people on our annoying little rubber bands, right? You can take your rubber band off. <laughs> I'm taking mine off, but you, know, right? you can do that, but that, that's not the point. The point is that I'm always praying for someone who doesn't know Christ. Because I love them. If you're my friend, if you're family, if you're a coworker, whatever, if I would, would thank, you know, I'm, I, I have affection for this person, I love this person, then I'm always praying that God would open up their, their heart and their mind to the hope and the message of the gospel of Jesus. That's what a follower of Jesus would do. We would love people that way. So, so we would pray for them like Jesus prays for us. We're always praying for a no-brainer moment. Always. Like, the highlight of our it, it's not the dread of our life that maybe I have to share my face somehow, and how can I not make eye contact, you know? How do I keep this thing a secret? I got this cross tattoo, and I can't get it off, you know? It's like, I'm always praying, because it's, it's, it would be like the best thing to happen that week. You know, if you looked at me and said, hey, what's the reason for the hope that's within you? That, that, that's a highlight, see, because I love you. I don't want to cram Jesus down your throat. I don't want to be a Jesus jerk, but I'm excited to tell you about the love that God has for you, right? I, I'm always praying for those no, no-brainer moments. It's what, it, what's, it's what drives and motivates and kind of makes my week. I always want to be a catalyst for good. Always. Why? Well, because you've got to do enough good deeds to get into heaven. No, 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 It's not our love for God. It's God's love for us. Why do I want to be a catalyst for good? Because Jesus says it makes our light shine bright. We, put, we turn the lights on Jesus when we do good. So he says, let your, let your deeds happen before men, shine bright for men, so that they praise your Father in heaven. So I'm always, I, I want to be the one that volunteers, right? I, I want to I be the one that helps out. I want to be the one that goes and does whatever is meaningful to the community that I'm in because I want, I want to turn people's attention to Jesus. And so, yeah, absolutely. Here's my life and I'll dive in and I'll do that. I want that to drive me. I always want to learn more about the love of God from the Bible, Because the more that I understand the Bible, the more I'm able to receive the depth of God's love for me because the Bible is the place that he most clearly speaks his heart. So as I mature, right, I love God more and his love flows out of me more and more. The the older I get, the more I become like my father. Right? The older my, my sisters would be like, you're just like dad. And the more they say that, the more I think of it as a compliment. Why? Well now I've walked more of his miles, right? When I was 15 and you told me I was like my dad, it made me mad. When I was 40 and you told me I was like my dad, I took it as a compliment. Because I've started to walk, I learned his heart, I understood his mind more and more as I delve deeper into his story. That's why we learn the Bible. We don't learn it so that we can shoot it at people and tell them how wrong they are. We learn it so we can express God's heart for them. And sometimes that means expressing God's truth to them as well. And then I always want to give a reason for the hope that's within me. I I want to tell you about my love for God. I remember years ago when Heidi and I first met I remember when she finally expressed her love for me, I was so excited to tell people that, right? I didn't say anything before she said something, because I was so far out of my league, I didn't want to get mocked for even trying. But when she, like, finally, I was like, ah-ha, you know? Then what we started doing was we we would express that publicly. We'd start to hold hands. And when we would hold hands, people would see it. Right? And they pull me aside and be like, Jeff, man, that's amazing. You're on crack. I can't believe you're going out with Heidi Johnson. They pull her aside and they say, Listen, I think your life is falling apart. You're going to make a. <laughs> that's a true story, by the way. And, right? So you would express it more and more until finally we said, We want everybody to know about our love. Come to our wedding. And we publicly want to speak of our love. I still love to speak of my love for Heidi right, I'm, I'm anxious to give a reason for, for my affection for, this is, this is what I mean, I'm, I'm anxious to give a reason for my affection for Christ, I don't want to be obnoxious, I don't want to be a jerk, but I don't think of it as something secretive, or something difficult, oh man, oh man, right, no, 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 I'm always praying, God, I'd love to do this, give me the opportunity, See, all of this is driven by love, right? It's not driven by duty. It's not driven by religiosity. It's not driven by, oh, if I don't don't land this for God, I might not get into heaven, right? No, no, no. It's what God has done for us. We are his children. It's natural for his children to think this way. It's not always easy, right? I, I know that in relationships, we have to overcome some hurdles. But it's where the children of God want to land. And it's where we would take our strength and our determination, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and say, no, you know what? I will love. And if it's painful and it's difficult and it's bloody like the cross, I want to. I want to. Because God has done this for me. And I want to give to you what God has given to me going to ask the band to come out, guys, and, and um, I, I want us to take some time and, and process this a little bit. I, I'm real excited about next weekend, we're going to we'll we'll celebrate Easter together, and we're going to start the series called Before and After, it's really cool. In fact, if you're thinking about being a Christ follower, or if you know someone who's thinking about being a Christ follower, it, it literally is like the perfect series for you, because we're going to just talk about the, what people were like before they inter- interacted with Jesus, and what they were like afterwards. And like the Apostle Paul, uh, James, who was Jesus's brother, Jude, who was Jesus's brother, just really fascinating how they, they interacted with the resurrection of Jesus, right? And so, encourage you to be a part of that conversation. And we would love someone by inviting them, by helping them, by walking them through that. I want you to, I want you to get like this whole picture of what Christ did and why, why he did it. All of this, though, all of this I'm going to share, I'm going to do, I'm going to do good works, I'm going to say things, I'm going to invite people to church. It is because Christ has changed us. So there's a, there's a fundamental question that has to come in play that I want you to just think through a little bit. Am I defined by love? When people look at my life and they think of me do they think of me as someone who would love them? Do they think of someone me as someone who would love them? And if they don't, what does that say about my interaction with God, right? It's a big question. So think it through, pray it through in these next few minutes. Just let God kind of bang around a little bit in that. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll wrap up I Care, but kind of continue the conversation next week when we celebrate Easter.